the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is The Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Inflation. I think we're all starting to see the problems that it causes. I can simplify it for you. I need more money to retire. Because what's happened in the last 12 months, I used to assume a moderate amount of inflation. Some people assume no inflation, which is a huge mistake. CFP Chad Burton and CFP Stephanie Richmond at EP Wealth, they've got very expensive software that makes sure that you get scenarios with different types of inflation run through. So when you get a financial plan, it shows you best case and worst case scenarios. It's pretty good because that's a good talking point when you sit down with someone. Today, I'm going to sit down with someone who's got cerebral palsy. I've got to call at 10 o'clock and I'm going to go over his financial situation with him. He got a big uh, payday and friends around him want him protected because they're afraid that he's going to make a mistake with it. What was, so they referred him to me and I'm like, absolutely. I'll no problem talk with him. And what's very interesting about this, the friend who referred him to me happens to like real estate enormously. And he's in the business of, of real estate investments. And he was like, this is not appropriate for him. What you do is a lot more appropriate. I'm like, that's very, very kind tip of the hat, massive compliment to me. But a lot of people don't factor in worst case scenarios. And here's a worst case scenario that I'm going to have to think about today. When I'm meeting with this young man, he's going to say, I have cerebral palsy. I'm like, you know, I don't know a lot about cerebral palsy. Can you teach me in three minutes? And he'll say, well, here's what happens and here's how bad it gets. And I'm like, have you factored in that that's going to be more expensive than it is today if it gets worse? And he'll be like, No, I had no idea. So any sum of money is worth less if you're factoring in more expensive healthcare. I've had an issue recently that is starting to scare me. Sometimes when I'm eating red meat and I chew and I swallow, I can't get it down. And there is a condition on having the ability of losing your ability to swallow And that's going to rush my little butt to the doctor. Because last thing in the world I want to do is start eating my food out of a blender. If you're picking up what I'm putting down, right? But I have to plan that life isn't going to go as smoothly for me from age 50 to 60, 60 to 70, 70 to 80, as it did from 20 to 30, 30 to 40, 40 to 50. So I'm factoring in more healthcare costs. You know what I'm factoring in less? iPhone costs. You know what's happening though? I'm paying more for an iPhone still and more for healthcare. So that's how inflation works. Let me give you another example of inflation. 
there's a nice story in the USA Today where, well, not a nice story. It's actually kind of a horrible story. It is on the cost of weddings. The average couple spent $34,000 on their 2021 wedding last year. That's expected to rise in 2022. Um, When I started doing this shtick 20 years plus years ago, the average wedding was probably 18 to 19,000. So you got a little princess. You got a son who's growing up to be a handsome young man. You have to expect that if you're going to help your children with their wedding, and I say don't, um, I know, give me a second to come back to that one. Um, Again, this is where Rob gets, he crosses the line. Um, You got to expect it's going to cost more. Venues are charging more. Um, $100 per plate is now $180 per plate for the same exact service from one year ago. The national average price tag of a wedding, roughly $34,000 in 2021. And yet the cost of food, the cost of service, the cost of bands due to COVID-19 has taken a big jump. I had a guy looking at my HVAC yesterday. He goes, you should really book this service soon because we're, we're pretty notorious about raising our prices every two years and we haven't raised them in two years. When I keep hearing about how much more stuff is costing overseas to make and ship, I'm like, yeah, those producer prices are going to be passed on at some point, aren't they? But they're also passed on in weddings. Um, costs vary by region where you get married. I think that's worthy of note. Oh, why do I, why do I say don't pay for your kid's marriage? Well, that's going to be up to you. And I'll pay for certain things, but I'm not going to pay for $200 dinner per person for 200 people. Maybe dad could go for $200 per person for 20 people and tell them, pick your people very carefully. And for the record, you don't need 200 people witnessing you getting married and 250 people are 250, uh, 220 people too much, right? Super price index rose 7.9% in February. That's on a year-over-year level. So wedding prices are expected to surge by about 10% this year. Wedding planners. That's a weird one for me. I'll be quite honest with you as a career. What do you do for a living? I'm a wedding planner. I'm like, how did you get into that? Um, I just, I don't get it. But labor is so shortage in America right now. And prices are still on the rise. How much more expensive will some weddings be? Some are expected to be 20 to 30% higher um, on a two to three year basis. So I guess you could say, if your kid comes to you and says, dad, I'm getting married and he's only 18, well, like, well, you're going to save me a lot of money getting married at 18 versus 35. So thank you because of inflation. Um, How do couples pay for weddings at this point in time? One thing I don't want you to do is pay for it later. If you are silly enough to want a white dress in a big church, um, if you're silly enough that you want seven bridesmaids or seven groomsmen, I'm not picking on one sex over the other, um, don't pay for it in the future because then it's costing even more money. 
you're financing it. Can you ask for donation money? I would consider that. <clears throat> Using the money for a down payment on a house or a down payment on the honeymoon. I get that. Um, 6% of couples who are engaged have taken on second or third jobs to help cover their cost of weddings. About 2% have taken out loans. 8% are optimizing credit cards. If you're doing financial engineering for the day, remember the day forever. Don't pay for the day forever. I'm Rob Black. Find me online at Rob Black Show. That's Rob Black Show. YouTube, Facebook, uh, Instagram. You get it. It's all there at Rob Black Show. Honest, straightforward, and right to the point. The Rob Black Show. Have you ever heard the coffee debate? It's the number one thing that upsets people. It's a weird thing to say out loud. The number one thing. But I've seen some articles and some research in the past that when talking personal finance with people, try to get it on a relatable level and not on a I'm smarter than you level. But you'll hear a financial planner on occasion weave in. Um, it's a cheap shot. Do you drink Starbucks? And for me, my cheap shot is how many of you have an iPhone? So if you're in a group of people and you hear a financial planner say that, it's a setup. It's a trap. And what I mean by that is we know that Starbucks is a good 5 to $7 every time you go. It's never... You grow up thinking coffee's about fifty two dollars, two fifty for a cup, and you end up going. You're like, well, that's not two fifty. But if you spend more than ten minutes in personal financial world, you learn that the cup of coffee's got people that pisses people off. Is it the small things that add up, or is it the big things? It's a big. It's a good question because I, I think in your budget, where do you mess things up? For me, I can tell you my budget, I mess it up in groceries, not in cars, not in clothes, but in nicer food. That makes me feel awful saying it out loud. And I'm not a person who has to have Starbucks. A cup of coffee to me is a cup of coffee. I know, I know. I just lost a lot of you who are coffee snobs. But I'm not drinking coffee. I have drank coffee for the taste once in my life. Um, it was one of those things on a menu where I was like, ooh, I'd like to try that because it looks kind of crazy. And it was lemur butt coffee, as I like to refer to it. And what that means is it was coffee that a lemur comes down from the tree, sees the bean, he puts it in his mouth and he eats it and he doesn't break it down because it's a nut. A couple hours later, the lemur poops it out. So it's covered in lemur poop. And it's the world's most expensive coffee. And when I got presented that, I'm like, you damn well better believe I want to eat that, drink that. Now I say eat it because... If you go right now and Google world's most expensive coffee, you're going to see articles pop up on lemurs. It's not made from poop. It's made from coffee beans, but it's partially digested and pooped out. 
I am now looking at a picture of lemurs or kivets as they're called. And they're fed coffee cherries, essentially the fruit that produces coffee beans. Um, and it's kind of cruel to look at. You see these beautiful little monkeys in r- relatively big cages. If you're insane, they're small cages. These are the animals that are meant to be in the wild. Now, again, they're not, they, they, they can move around, but not by a lot. And I guess we're doing them a favor because they don't have to eat insects and other things. They could just sit there and eat coffee, cherries, and mangoes and not be eaten by things like, you know, leopards and tigers and snakes and crocodiles. I know you're saying, do leopards and tigers live in the same forest in Rob's mind or is he making stuff up? I could be making that part up. But these little civets, these little lemurs, They'll raid fruit farms and it's considered a pest, but it's also considered really expensive dung that they poop out. Um, it's the most disgusting thought in the world. And Rob's like, Ooh, I want to try that. So I've blown my budget aggressively and incorrectly on things that in hindsight, I feel maybe I shouldn't have done that. Was it worth it? I'm glad I did it. I believe it was $50. It might've been $100 for a pot. I think it was 100, but I think I got two and a half cups out of it. (laughs) And my date, who I don't know anymore, was like, it was a conversation starter, but I think I could have figured something else out other than that. But I had to have, I had to have, because I had never seen. So some of us can have super low rent. I've always lived below my means until I got married and had children. Um, I've never, ever really had a problem with car payments. Um, I didn't have a new car till I was in my mid-30s. In fact, I drove a car with no air conditioning until my mid-30s. I know I would go to, and on the East coast, you'd go to meetings in Washington, DC or New York, Philadelphia, Boston, and you don't have air conditioning and the meeting just happens to fall on July. You're like, yeah, that sounds good. Let's book it from July. And then July comes around and you're in a hundred degree weather. You're soaking wet. It's grotesque. So you basically drive in your shirt car without a shirt and you hope that no one you're going to see looks over and like, is that guy not wearing a shirt? What's up with that? And then you get to the meeting and you're in the garage and you're like, I better put my shirt on now. And you're just hoping the guy that you're going to have a meeting with an interview, maybe uh, a reporter, you're just hoping they're not in the garage with you. So you put on a shirt, but I've been there, done that. So I've always done the big stuff, right? I've done the little things wrong. The big stuff proponents argue that if daily coffee runs uh, blow up your financial security, you've got bigger fish to fry. While the little stuff warriors, they insist that most people struggle financially. They're overspending in areas like lemur butt coffee. Um, and again, you look at your big ticket items, your, it's your rent and your car payment, right? But what has always killed me is uh, getting together with friends and going, okay, let's go out to dinner. And like, I'll buy dessert or I'll buy, I'll buy the next round. Kind of, I'll do this, I'll do that. It's always, that's where it gets me. It's never in the big things. It's always in the small things. So coffee is a cliche for seeing if you have a spending problem. 
when I give speeches and I give speeches to unions of teachers, I give speeches to visa workers, uh, not, not like illegal visas or visas for work, but like visa, the credit card. I give speeches to the insurance industry on a regular basis. And one of the things I do is I'm talking to typically new agents and I'm, I'm trying to get the new teachers. I'm trying to get the students before they get into problems. I go, how many of you have an iPhone? And if you raise your hand, I'm like, that's a $1,200 expense. And you're in an industry where your starting salary is 60,000. So you've just spent one and a half, one and a quarter percent of your whole pay for the year. And that's not even talking about your monthly bills tied towards the phone. Um, I know a lot of teachers who buy their kids Christmas gifts and they buy the kids who they know that their parents are poor or lower income, nice things. I've had to tell a teacher before, you can't buy your students bicycles. There's like one or two kids a year that she would give a bicycle to. I'm like, you don't have the budget for it. And I'd be like, Jerry Lewis, hey, lady, you ain't got the budget for that. <laughs> and I'd slap her. That's what it feels like. That's not what it sounds like. It's, it sounds more like this. Um, you're a school teacher, so you got to have a really tight budget on some of these items, you know, like Christmas gifts. I used to be a, an earner who, you know, I started my career twenty dollars to $30,000 for first jobs. And the first jobs could be the waiting tables kind of things. They can be your first career jobs. I've built it up over the years. My social security statement is something I love to look at because I remember not making six digits. I remember not having complicated taxes. And you know what? It's really funny. I've said this more and more in the last two years. I was happier when things were simpler. Um, More love to give and to receive more experiences. Um, No knock on my kids. They bring me total joy, but the selfish part of me was happier, a lot happier when I had nothing to show for it. So what do you have to show for your efforts? Food, home goods, clothes. One area that I spend a little extra money on is I want to make sure that my mattress is good because I spend so much time on it. And my televisions are, are high quality. I don't go for average quality. I figure you live this life once. I'd rather have a nice high quality and then sell it in three years and get another higher, nicer quality. So I know that I've got some spending issues and I only got to my spending issues when I turned 40, maybe. Before then, it's like, well, I have a TV. I'm young. Let's go out and, and eat food and make love. Like we don't need TVs before that age, but it's kind of nice. It's kind of nice. So where are you in the debate of big things versus small things? That's this whole segment's all about. Rob had a $100 cup of coffee or $50 cup of coffee. Two cups equals $100 pot of coffee. You get the idea. What's the dumbest thing you ever spent money on? Drop me an email. I'd love to share a couple with them on air. Rob at robblackshow.com. It's rob at robblackshow.com. If you ever want to record a message and message it to me, you could do that as well. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Is it tough love to say, watch your coffee expenditures? Or is it, is it smarter to go after drive used cars? They both work. They're both smart to look at. I'm Rob Black. You're not. Brought to you by EP Wealth. This is the Rob Black Show. Joining me now from EP Wealth, Chartered Financial Analyst, Certified Financial Planner, Carrie Sachs. 
Carrie, let's talk about, you recently did a blog article for EP Wealth. People can find it at epwealth.com. Um, it's tied towards taking a sabbatical. It's something I've always wanted to do, but I've always been afraid to do. I've seen friends go to India for a month or two months. I'm like, I'd like that. But in my career of being in financial media, I can't take that kind of time off. Tell us a little bit about taking time off for a sabbatical. How did you approach it? Where did you go? Was it a, a good career decision, bad career decision? I'd like some answers. Yeah, it was something I had wanted to do before I even left college, uh, but I didn't have the money in college. I was working and I ended up in finance and realized, hey, you know, I'm making some good money here. I think I can afford to, to do a sabbatical, this long lost sabbatical I've always wanted to do. Um, and I'm a planner. So I, I spent a year budgeting, saving, planning where I wanted to go, but also really focusing on my career. It actually might've been a year and a half, two years of planning because a career was a big part of it. I didn't want to leave on the sabbatical without being in a pretty strong position to be able to get a job when I came back. You know, I wanted to be very employable. So I didn't want to spend through my savings abroad and then come home penniless without a job or a job prospect. So yeah, it's, it was a really thoughtful, deliberate process and it paid off in speeds. Where did you go? And, um, you know, again, for me, it's such a foreign concept because sabbaticals weren't a thing for my parents. And where did you go? How did you make that big leap? Was it something your parents inspired in you? Was it just college? Was it wanting to see the world before you die? Because I'm sure you have a lot of clients yeah. who are in that scenario. <laughs> right. I, and actually, the, I wrote the blog because uh, a prospective client called with that exact question. Okay. Um, she wanted to know, can I afford to take a sabbatical? And I thought, oh, that's a great blog. For me, it was something I had. I went to France and it was wonderful. I was there almost a year and I hopped around from the south of France and then in Paris. And it was something I wanted to do in college. I thought ideally, you know, you live abroad for the year in college, but I already had student loans. I didn't want to take out more. I was working. So it just wasn't feasible economically. And when I got my job in finance, I, I saw a path. You know, I, I thought I can be really on a tight budget here. I can save and I can make this happen. Uh, without having to take any debt on. I actually paid off my student loans before I left. I got my CFA, my Chartered Financial Analyst designation before I left. I was taking coursework, uh, business coursework. So I was really trying to prepare myself to be in the best position I could be when I left. So I could just let go, unplug, which I completely did. And I had a fabulous time in France. And I just, I, I had some basic plans down in terms of where I would stay and and what places I would visit, but I, it was pretty open-ended and that made for a really fun, exploratory experience. Love it. And I'm going to have to talk to you more about it, but I kind of know you a little bit. I'm speaking with Carrie Sachs. She's a chartered financial analyst, certified financial planner with EP Wealth. You probably didn't, this wasn't whimsical for you. It wasn't like one day at work, you're like, take this job and shove it. I'm going to France and I'm going to unplug. <laughs> you probably were pretty methodical, which probably led to a budget Tell me about the process of being methodical and planning it. I was. I'm, I would plan my life to the day I die if I could. Uh, <laughs> my husband <laughs> is not in support of that. And it doesn't work. I think the universe has um, sometimes other ideas when I overplan. But I, I, I did the basics. I literally had a marble notebook where I 
gosh, this was back in the two, early 2000s. I, I literally wrote down in this marble notebook all my spending. So I tracked it month by month and knew how much I was saving. I then finally upgraded to a spreadsheet. So I had a spreadsheet. I had certain goals, you know, financial goals I wanted to hit in terms of saving, but also career goals. I wanted to get promoted before I left and have some time in that new job. I wanted to pass my CFA. Uh, there are three levels. So I wanted to pass all three levels. So I tracked things methodically, and it was really actually inspiring for me. It it showed me the progress I was making, and it made it more real. You know, I started to realize this is really doable. I can do this, and it's not not an idea that's just on a whim. It's really concrete. My my dad is pretty conservative, and he was a financial guy. He thought it was kind of a nutty idea and didn't get it. But I will tell you, I went. I had a wonderful experience. I came back. My old firm asked me to come back. They rehired me and they paid me quite a bit more money. So it worked out really well on both ends. And, it, and for me, it was a very enriching experience. It, it just enriched my life in a way. And I was able to focus so much more when I came back to work because I had gotten that out of my system and I, I was ready to dig into my work. And it, it just, it helped my career blossom actually afterwards. It sounds like a bad Netflix show. Carrie Sachs goes to France on sabbatical, right? <laughs> Um, last, exactly. last thought on this, because I traveled Europe after college before I got a career. Um, you mm-hmm. did it mid-career. I think we're both right. I think it's awesome. I didn't really have an emergency fund because my 20s were a mess. I didn't really have healthcare when I was in Europe. Um, how does one go about researching that? I know the internet's got a lot of information, but I'm sure that's something you had put in place before you left. Yes, it was. And I did have insurance before I left. Oh, there was a lot. There is a lot of work because I had to get a visa as well to live in France for more than three months. So I had to go to the consulate. I had to do all these applications. I had an in-person interview with the French consulate in Atlanta, where I lived at the time. I had to research healthcare, which is easier to get today, I believe, because of the exchanges back then. If you had one medical condition, they would disqualify you from any kind of insurance. So now it's a little bit easier to get. But there was a lot of planning on a lot of levels. And that's where, you know, my blog article I talk about, you may want to talk to an advisor who can think about all the things you may not know you don't know uh, and things you, you want to make sure you plan for. Different types of not just health insurance, but you get sick abroad and you you need specialized care. You know, do you want to have maybe an extra layer of insurance that could fly you home for the best care, that kind of thing? So it, it was a lot of research, trying to figure out all the things I needed to know. And then, but once I did that, that's where I really was able to let go and really take in the experience. And I don't know that I would have been able to do that had I not done so much due diligence on the front end. That's good. It's Carrie Sachs. She's a certified financial planner with EP Wealth, a chartered financial analyst, which is a great designation. You can find her at epwealth.com. Drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com, and I'll get you an article on that sabbatical that she took, because I think it's something all people should consider. I'm Rob Black. Thanks very much. That's Carrie Sachs. The Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more about EP's unique approach to managing wealth at robblackshow.com. I'm Rob Black. Thank you for listening to the Rob Black Show podcast. This is just one tool that I use to help you create wealth. My website, robblackshow.com, is loaded with useful resources like planning for retirement and how to choose a financial advisor, financial strategy videos with certified financial advisors, and much, much more. You can contact me and I will put you in touch with a certified financial planner. Visit robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. 
a personal financial plan with custom investment advice. That's why Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. With over $12 billion in assets under management and more than 80 financial professionals at the helm, EP services were built with you in mind. How can they help you? Find out at robblackshow.com. robblackshow.com. This has been an interesting show. Um, I do a strategy hour. I try to do a strategy hour every day and I try to do uh, a market, stock market headline, what's moving the markets and why hour. The Secure Act 2.0 has already been brought up today. Let's bring it up again to follow up to a 2019 bill that made a ton of changes to the way Americans save for retirement. I bring this up because it's 2022 and then in 2019, retirement kind of has a moving goal line and the rules change in the last couple of years. This is one of the reasons I work with a financial planner, even though I'm in the industry, but I'm on the industry more on the accumulating wealth versus the managing wealth side. So the house passed a secure act 2.0, which was a, stronger version of the 2019 act. It greatly impacts how we near retirement. And now that I want to talk a little about instead of delaying retirement to age 75 and pulling out your required minimum distributions, you've avoided paying taxes to the federal government for years and years and years. The government says, you got to start getting tax on this stuff. We have a minimum that you need to start taking out. So we know that's going to get moved higher. And it's the way of our government saying, you know, we know we're not taking good enough care of our senior citizens and we know they're not saving enough. So let's tinker as much as we can to, you know, keep this car on the road, so to speak, or keep this retirement bus on the road. In those last few years, it's really important that you know the rules. There's catch-up contributions, not like Heinz catch-up, not Heinz 57, not like that. Catching up. 401k plan for 2021, 19,500. For 2022, you can now put in 20,500. For a traditional IRA, if you're not getting a 401k or a 403b at work, you can put in 6,000. This year and next for a Roth, it's 6,000. For a simple IRA, 13,500 in 2021, 14,000 in 2022. That's nice. <clears throat> now, here's the nicer part is if you're over age 50, you can contribute more to your plan. In 2021, it's 6,500 for 401k. It's 1,000 extra for 2021 and 2022 for IRAs. Same thing for Roth IRAs, 3,000 for simple IRAs. There's a lot of products out there. Another new change will increase the amount of catch-up contributions allowed for some older Americans who are 62, 63, or 64, an additional 10,000 in a 401k. So I don't want to say, ooh-wee, I can't wait till I get to 62, because that's not quite right. <laughs> but it's a nice perk if you didn't save enough for retirement. Your kids are out of the nest. You've maxed out your 401k, and you're like, where else can I put some tax-deferred money? Because now you can get that extra 30000 for age 62, 63, 64, and it can last all the way until 75. So that's $30,000 that should become $120,000 by the time you're 75. Kind of close. 
money doubles every 7.2 years. Now, again, at 62, you're probably not going to say, sweet, I'm going to go all aggressive. Buy me big tech stocks. So it might not grow at that pace, but you can see how that 30,000 doubles to 60, 60, maybe to 70, 75. Now, again, these are all moving targets, depending on when you start, depending on if you fund it immediately and what have you. I'm just using a very isolated round number. For retirement savers significantly below age 62, it doesn't mean much. You can keep saving as you are, as you are, captain or soldier. Aye, aye, captain. So the Secure Act 2.0, to me, tells me that older savers need to take advantage of eh, new nuances. And it really helps if you have a financial planner help you review all of this. Otherwise, part of your day should be educated, uh, dedicated to financial education. I have no problem if you want to do it on your own. I just think, and even me, I've got a financial Brad who calls me probably every 90 days. It's probably a clock inside software at EP Wealth. It's like, hey, Rob, 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 you want to gift any uh, assets to your children this year? It's good to do it while they're low when there's a market correction. Um, yeah, go ahead, Brad, do that. <clears throat> I didn't think about it in the first 90 days. I was worried about you. I was worried about getting you to retirement. Brad reminded me that, hey, the markets are off 10%, 20% in some cases. Send some of your assets to your children because you're allowed to gift your children X amount of dollars a year. So a spouse, two spouses can double it. Two children can double what you're throwing out for. I mean, you can really, I want to get my wealth down so that I stay under estate planning taxes. I'd rather die and have my money efficiently spread out to my children, my seed, my spawn, my evil, than have the government get it and do something good like feed people. <laughs> You're saying, did he just say that on air? For the record, I, I do charity. I'm never going to talk about it. I hate it. I hate talking about stuff that makes me look nice. Um, And I, I once heard a goal, and I think this is very, very noble, of a fairly wealthy person who said, I want to give away more money every year than I make. And I think that's pretty noble. And uh, me and my spouse have just hit the years where we were starting to talk about philanthropy. And what does that mean for, do we want to do it super local in our community or do we want to do it in other people's more needy communities? Or do we want to do a bigger picture and do Ukraine? Later this year, there's going to be people all over the world starving because of what's happened in Russia and Ukraine. Do we save our philanthropy for the hungry people in Africa? The abused people in Asia? The disenfranchised vampires that live in America? I know you're saying, wait, wait, did he just the vampires in the conversation again? <laughs> I did. You can find me online always at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. I think it makes sense to use a financial planner as you're in those final 10 years of retirement. So you, you see every loophole, you see every pass you should make because that's the, you've, you've run out of time. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Need a referral to a financial planner? Find me at robblackshow.com. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is the Rob Black Show. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.